been great uh, today, and uh, we did have an extra instrument today in our orchestra, Miss Emily. Uh, so a little saxophone action. If you were hearing that, you're like, man, that sounds pretty good. That's Emily. And uh, I'm thankful for her willingness to step in and be a part of our orchestra and uh, all those who serve faithfully in our music ministry. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 4. Uh, for sake of time, I'm just going to have you remain seated. And uh, we're going to read this and, and jump into uh, the message. Ephesians 6 and verse number 4 says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Uh, let's pray together. Lord, we do thank you for the opportunity to be in your house tonight. And uh, Lord, to be um, to enjoy good fellowship and singing together. Lord, now as we look into your word, I pray again that you would help us to have an open heart, help us to be good hearers, but then more than that, help us to be good doers of what we hear. pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Um, this is a really important thing to understand. Um, I asked the question, what is a dad joke? Now, a dad joke, defined by Merriam-Webster, is... A wholesome joke of the type said to be told by fathers with a punchline that is often an obvious or predictable pun or a play on words and usually judged to be endearingly corny or unfunny. In other words, if it's incredibly cheesy and makes you half groan, half smile, it's a dad joke. Sure, anyone can tell a dad joke, but the punchlines are most effectively delivered by a middle-aged semi-dorky father. So uh, I am kind of, no wonder my dad jokes are so good because I'm, I'm not even semi-dorky, I'm all the way dorky. And, uh, and so that's why my dad jokes are good. Um, and uh, here, when does a joke become a dad joke? When it becomes a parent. All right. Um, biblical, five biblical responsibilities of a father uh, we're going to be looking at tonight. 85% of all children who show behavior disorders come from fatherless homes, 20 times the average. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes, nine times the average. 75% of all adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers come from fatherless homes. 10 times the average. Executives of a greeting card company decided to do something special for Mother's Day. So they set up a table in a federal prison, inviting inmates to send a free card to their mom. The lines were so long they had to get more cards. Well, due to the, the success of that event, they decided to do the same exact thing on Father's Day. But this time, not one prisoner felt the need to send a, a card to his dad. In fact, when asked about it, many had no idea who their fathers even were. Now, I hope that all the dads in here today will never leave uh, their families. Uh, but there is a problem, uh, obviously, with absenteeism when it comes to uh, parents and uh, father fatherhood. Um, but many Christians, many Christian dads, are physically present. But there seems to be an absence when it comes to fulfilling the biblical responsibilities of a father. 
I believe that many dads, while present physically in the home, are sadly absent when it comes to fulfilling their God-given responsibilities as dads. Now, in a day and age when the culture is blurring the gender lines, God's word still makes a strong distinction between the two genders. And there are specific responsibilities for both men and women in the home. Now, this, this evening, we're going to focus in on uh, God's responsibilities or biblical responsibilities for fathers. Uh, but maybe some other time we would go and look at the biblical responsibilities of a mom. Uh, but tonight we're going to look at the five biblical responsibilities of a father. What are they? First of all, the first one is a do not, and that is do not provoke. Do not provoke. In our text it says this, and ye fathers provoke not your children to wrath. Paul actually issues this command not only here in Ephesians chapter number 6, but also in uh, Colossians chapter number 3 as he writes to the church there at Colossae. And he writes this, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. So Paul mentions it in Ephesians and in Colossians. So this command is repeated, which obviously underscores its importance for us to uh, take heed to and uh, to hopefully uh, pique our interest and, and uh, get our attention that uh, we better not provoke our children to wrath or anger. Now, in uh, Lance Ketchum's book, Parenting a Soul, he uh, gives us, or gives me, or writes down nine different ways that we can provoke our children to wrath. And I'd like to just very briefly go through them, uh, basically just read down through this little list. And as we do, I want to just encourage you dads to maybe ask yourselves these questions. Am I guilty, or this question, am I guilty of any of these things in my home? How to provoke your children to wrath. Number one, he says, neglect or ignore them. Uh, we don't, you know, I, I'm kind of too busy for them. I don't really have time for them. And so I'm going to neglect them or ignore them. By the way, we only have 18 years-ish with our children before they go off. And maybe not even that. Perhaps the Lord would call them home sooner. And so we, we, when we start thinking, oh, we have plenty of time with our kids uh, that's not always the case, and that time seems to fly by, and those who are empty nesters uh, can testify that that time is over before you know it. So neglect or ignoring them can provoke them to wrath. Number two, abusing them physically by punching, kicking, slapping, shaking, throwing, beating, shoving, etc. Now, I'm all for discipline. We'll talk about that in a moment in this message, but uh, we do need to not ever cross the line and discipline out of anger and uh, physically abuse our children. When we do, of course, that can provoke them to wrath. Um, number three, abusing them psychologically by calling them clumsy, no good, stupid, sloppy, dummy. And you can do this not just with your words, but also by your actions, your expressions, by your tone of voice. And when we do that, it uh, demeans them and and it could potentially provoke them to wrath. Number four, constantly find fault with them. Uh, how come you didn't, or how come you, you missed, you didn't, you forgot? And uh, that one's a little convicting because I know I've said some of those things to my own children. Number five, refuse to listen to them. 
by sending off I'm too busy for you signals. I've got work to do and what I'm doing is really important. And when you say that, it's almost like my work is more important than you are. Uh, refuse to listen to them by not allowing them to give input, discussion, explanations, or questions. And we just kind of refuse to listen to them because, after all, they're just kids. Or we can provoke our children to wrath by being too permissive. I want my child to learn to think for himself or herself. Uh, children to need to uh, learn to experience life. Uh, the sad part is... Uh, while that, those sound good, uh, we do need to be very careful, and we'll get into that in a little bit as well. But being too permissive and letting them do anything and everything would potentially open them up to habits that become addicting. And uh, they're in tremendous bondage because we just let them do whatever they wanted to do. As a result, they are become provoked to wrath because my parents didn't care enough to really check in on what I was doing. Number seven, demand too much of them intellectually, spiritually, physically, and emotionally. Put too much demand on them. Now, there's, it's good to have high expectations and to uh, do that, but at the same time, there is a knowing that your kids are not perfect and they're growing and they're a work in progress just like you are. Uh, number eight, having double standards or changing standards. Uh, create a wrong today, right tomorrow attitude, depending on whatever mood you're in. That can provoke them to wrath. And then number nine, having have constant unresolved marital, marital or parental discord or conflict. Many behavioral or attitudinal problems are often a reflection of the following three things. Personal problems in parents, a lack of self-control, selfishness, anger, or other emotions. Marital problems, unresolved difficulties between husband and wife, and then failure to follow the biblical directives for parenting. Now, I want to speak to the marital problems for just a quick moment. Um, marriage and the health of our marriage, or lack thereof, can definitely produce a provocation, of, a provocation to wrath. Now, in both of Paul's letters where this command provoke not your children to wrath, appears. In Ephesians and Colossians, he actually spends some time talking about the importance of the husband and wife marriage relationship before he talks to the, uh, talks to the, uh, the uh, fathers and the mothers and all of that. So before Paul ever addresses dads about their biblical responsibilities as fathers, he talks to us about our biblical duty as a husband. So this, mean, this means then the priority is that we should focus first on the health of our own marriage and then on our children. Many homes sadly have this backwards. Kids and the children seem to come first, and then marriage gets put on the back burner. Because we have these children to take care of, and that is important, uh, no doubt about it. But uh, remember, the biblical order of priorities is marriage first, first, and then children. Oh, definitely in, in timing, right? Worse to be married first and then have children. That's a novel thought. Uh, that's, that, that's an old thought that seems kind of way out of touch. This is 2020. One. Uh, we, don't, we don't do that anymore. Yeah, we should still do that. That is the biblical order. Marriage first, then children. 
okay? But, it, but it's not just in that aspect. It's also in the amount of time we invest. Uh, obviously, children take time. There's no, there's no question there. Uh, but uh, many times we put all the time into the kids and very little into our marriage and it and then our marriage becomes very anemic and weak. And, and before we know it, we have marital problems. And, and uh, it seems that the kids have uh, become more important than our own marriage. I'm telling you, marriage and the health of it is so very important. I don't really think it can be calculated the amount of wrath that children are provoked to through mom and dad getting a divorce. Now, I, I realize that I'm speaking to some here tonight who've been through a divorce. And uh, I'm definitely not trying to beat anybody up uh, regarding that. But the fact is, divorce doesn't just affect the two getting the divorce. It also immensely impacts the children, especially the younger ones. And so as I speak to mostly believers in the Lord Jesus Christ here tonight, we need to remember that the decision to marry is a lifelong commitment to your spouse and to God. God takes vows very seriously. When you vow to God, you better, you better, you better keep your word. Uh, when you and your spouse stood at a wedding altar and, and said, I do, guess who was paying attention to that? God was. I realize our culture says it's not a big deal to get a divorce, but God still believes it's a big deal. The word of God still says it's a big deal. Uh, we, we, we obviously should not ever do that. Someone once said, the greatest gift a father can give to his children is to love their mother. Now, when they know that mommy and daddy love each other, it truly creates a loving and secure home life for your children. Uh, one, little, uh, one little boy, he, uh, he misunderstood the term broken home, and, and this prompted this admonition from his father. He said, Look, I don't care if the basement wall is cracking. Please stop telling everyone you come from a broken home. It's not sitting well with others. <laughs> um, but sadly, there are some real kids who do indeed come from broken homes. And uh, it's caused them to uh, be provoked to wrath. So if you want to provoke your children to wrath, go ahead. Fight in front of them. Go ahead and yell and name call and throw things. Go ahead and threaten divorce. Go ahead and allow the kids to come between you. Uh, go ahead and have an unhealthy marriage, but don't be surprised if your children are provoked to wrath. So, first, biblical responsibility of a father. Do not provoke. Don't do it. Next, number two, the second uh, biblical responsibility of a father is do provide do provide. And we find this in verse number uh, four of Ephesians six. And you fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We're to provide several things. First of all, we're to provide spiritual instruction and leadership. Say, well, I want to teach my kids how to change a tire and change the oil and, you know, balance a checkbook. Those are really important things. I'm not saying you shouldn't do those. But, but let's not do those to the neglect of providing spiritual instruction and leadership in the home. 
Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse number 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. We're called to provide this spiritual instruction and leadership in our, to, to our families. Dads are. Now I realize, well, some of you go, well, that's why we come to church. So that, you know, you can do that and Brother Blake can do that and the Sunday school teachers can do that. Well, I hope that we are. You know, I hope that when they come here to Cornerstone Baptist Church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, they are getting the word of God. They are learning and getting spiritual instruction. That's not the only place they're supposed to get it. They're supposed to get it at home, too. And dads, that's our responsibility to make sure that happens. Oh, well, my wife can do that. Yeah, your wife can do that, but it is not her responsibility so much as it is ours as dads. Proverbs 22 and verse number 6. Most of us are familiar with this verse. Train up a child... In the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. A training, uh, it takes time and it takes effort. And uh, it, it requires a constant uh, continuation of it. You think about the jobs that, the job that maybe you have, dads. Uh, you probably didn't show up on day one and knew immediately how to do everything. You had to be trained on how to do it. Uh, just like that we need to train our children how to love God and to serve God and to uh, grow in our relationship with God. We can do this, of course, through our words, but most of all, we need to do it through our walk. Abraham Lincoln once said, there is only one way to bring up a child in the way he should go, and that is to travel that way yourself. See, we need to model this as we uh, expect them to follow the spiritual instruction and leadership in our homes. Uh, we need to lead the way, not say, hey, you should do this when I'm not willing to do it myself. Hey, kids, you need to read your Bible every day. Well, Dad, are you? Kids, we need to make sure that what we uh, watch and stuff is, is good and godly and approved by the Lord. Okay, what about your entertainment? Um, we need to model this. So we do need to provide spiritual instruction and leadership. We also do need to provide next financially. First Peter chapter, or First Timothy chapter number five and verse number eight. If you want to turn over there, First Timothy chapter five and verse number eight. The Bible says this, but if any provide not for his own, especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Look, God created man to work before the curse. Genesis 2 and verse number 15, this is before Genesis chapter number 3, by the way. The Lord God took the man put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Work is not a result of the curse. It obviously got harder because of the curse, but man has always been called upon by God to work. 
When it comes to providing for your family, I want to take this opportunity to let you know that it is not the government's responsibility to provide financially for your family. There are way too many who are dependent on the government for their provision right now. And right now, people can make, sadly, more money from the government on unemployment than they can by actually working. A few weeks ago, I took uh, Mark to Wendy's over on 12th Street here in Moore. And uh, there was a, the, we were going to go in the drive-thru, but the drive-thru line was getting long, and it looked like it was going to take a while. So I was like, let's skip the drive-thru. Let's just go into the lobby. So I pulled my truck over, parked, and we got out. And uh, I pulled on the, the door. The door was closed, locked. I went around to the other side, and there was a sign on the door, and it simply said, lobby closed due to staff shortage, drive-thru only. Uh, just a sign of the times that we have here that, look, people don't want to work because, hey, I can just get unemployment and sit home and watch, you know, whatever I want. I can watch Netflix all day long and get paid more than I can by actually working. And so people today would much rather mooch off the government than they would work. So it is not the government's responsibility to provide financially. It's mine. It's also not my wife's responsibility to provide. It's mine. Now, according to Titus chapter 2, her primary responsibilities include being sober, loving her husband, loving her children, being discreet, chaste, keepers of her home, good and obedient to her own husband, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Nowhere does it say for wives to go out and get a job to provide for their families. This is actually a pretty new phenomenon here in America. Now, I realize that many ladies in our church work outside the home, and uh, I'm not trying to blast anybody for that tonight. Um, in fact, I'm thankful that uh, over the years that my wife has actually done some things to help uh, provide for the family. But uh, never has it been like, you have to do this in order for us to make ends meet. She's done her baking business on the side uh, when we were in California, and then she's doing that here. She sold aprons at the farmer's market in Montana. She's even worked for a chiropractor in Montana and did lunch and learns to try to drum up business for this chiropractor. And in exchange of really kind of, really, she really didn't get paid, but we got to have free family chiropractic adjustments. So that was our payment. And uh, I'm thankful for what my wife has done and, and does to help make ends meet. But God's word teaches me that I am the one responsible in my home to provide financially for my family. When our family moved to Montana back in 2015, about six years ago, I did not have a job lined up when I got there. I was leaving the ministry uh, situation that I had and uh, was going to Montana and did not have any job lined up when I got there. And uh, it was hard to transfer uh, that to any type of uh, secular work. So I did anything and everything I could to provide for our family, and I was thinking through some of the things that I did while I was up there in those three years. I was a freelance video editor. That's one of the things that I did when I first really got there. I did manual labor for a moving company called Strongbacks for You. I often joke that it really should be called Sorebacks for Me. Um, <laughs> um, I was a school bus driver. I was a merchandiser for all five Lowe's stores in the state. I even did a one-day gig and dressed up as Tony the Tiger. I've shared that story with you. Uh, I worked for my brother-in-law and helped him lay wood flooring, install cabinets, and install trim and new construction. 
I worked as a salesman for AT&T in one of their corporate locations, and I started my own graphic and web design business. Sounds like a lot, but let me assure you, I did not make a lot. <laughs> I was scraping, scraping by, but it was enough to provide for my family. See, one of the biblical responsibilities I have as a dad is to provide for my family. But not to the neglect of the first one we mentioned, though. Uh, we mentioned spiritual uh, instruction and leadership. Uh, sometimes we get these out of, out of order. We say, well, I've got to provide financially all the best things for my family. And, and if that means I miss church, so be it. If it means that my uh, you know, Wednesday nights I just can't be there because of, church, for, of work, so be it. And we focus so much on financially providing for our families and their spiritual health is who knows what it is because I'm never around. I'm always working so that they can have all the latest, greatest gadgets and gizmos. See, we are to provide financially, but not to the neglect of the, uh, of the first one. So we are, yes, to provide uh, spiritual instruction and leadership we are to provide financially, and thirdly, we are to provide discipline in our homes. Discipline is a necessary part of parenting. It's not everybody's favorite part of parenting. And dads, it's really up to us to make sure it happens. But when it's off and on again, it's confusing, and when you refrain from discipline, for whatever reason, and I know many of them in my own life, too tired, too busy, don't want to hurt my child, Yet we need to remember that it is a matter of obedience to God. And, in, and according to the scriptures, disciplining our children is also a matter of love. Say, how can, how can spanking them really communicate love? It, it just does. Uh, Proverbs 13, verse 24, He that spareth his, rod, spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. Um, if you love him, you're going to discipline him. But if you hate him, go ahead. Uh, and when you don't, it's communicating hate. That's what the Bible says. Eli was an example of someone who failed to dis discipline his boys, and as a result, they were godless sons of the devil who committed terrible sin. Here's what God told Samuel to share with Eli the priest regarding his sons. He said, For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. Eli failed to discipline his kids. He did not provide discipline in his home. And as a result, his children went the way of the, went, went the, way of the world and the way of the devil. So we are called upon as dads to provide discipline. So we're called to do not provoke. Another one is to provide. Do provide. And then thirdly, do protect. Do protect. Many dads do understand that it is their responsibility to protect their home. And uh, what, you know, if somebody was asking, you know, what, what does a dad do? What are, what are some of the things that a dad does? Well, basically, here's what I do as a dad all day long when I'm at home, all night long. I go around and turn off lights and make sure the doors are locked. <laughs> Does that describe any of the dads in your home or you? Okay. I'm always turning off lights and because, uh, I mean, those lights have to be paid for, do they not? And, uh, and then I'm always making sure the doors are locked most of the time. 
we're, we're, we know it's our responsibility to uh, protect our homes. Um, when my family and I were living in California, uh, the way that worked was my wife and I were staying upstairs with our boys, and I don't know if we had anybody downstairs or not at the time, but um, we had the, the, the front door was, was downstairs, and uh, right when you open that front door is the stairs going up to the upstairs. So I was sleeping one night, and I had my fan blowing on him. Any other godly people here have to have fans blowing on them? Okay, good. Okay, good. I knew that this was a godly church. <laughs> well, one night my fan was blowing on I was dead asleep. My wife at, you know, has these mom ears, so she's not able to sleep through everything. I'm able to sleep through. I mean, hopefully I wouldn't be able to sleep through the rapture, but... Uh, <laughs> But uh, um, I, I would hope I wouldn't. Um, but she, she's got those sensitive mom ears, and so she began hearing something. She began hearing the front door handle start to jiggle. Somebody was trying to get into our front door. And it was like 2, 3 in the morning, like 2 o'clock in the morning probably. And so she hears this. She immediately, you know, she's awake. And so she's trying to wake me up, and she's like, Eric. And I'm just conked out. Eric. She gets a little louder, and then finally she, you know, reaches over and kind of tries to shake me, and I'm, huh, what, huh, 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 huh. Okay. Dad groans <laughs> at 2 o'clock in the morning. She's like, I, I think somebody's trying to get into our house. I was like, no, they're not. Go back to sleep. She's like, no, I really, I, I heard, I, I heard that. The, somebody messing with our doorknob, they're trying to get into our house. I'm like, I don't think so. Go back to sleep. She's like, well, I'm going to go check it out. And I was like, oh, great. That's like the little guilt, you know, jab there. Like, I guess I'll go and protect our family. I'm like, all right, fine. I'll go and do it. Now, this is before we had any, uh, uh, had our little arsenal uh, that we have now. Uh, that we accumulated in the last several years. but uh, So I didn't really have any weapons, uh, per se, so I thought, well, I'm going to be a big, bad husband. I'm going to grab a pocket knife, <laughs> go downstairs. So I grabbed a pocket knife from my sock drawer, I think is where it was. And, uh, and I go down there, and I get the biggest blade I can out there, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to show this guy. And so I go down there, and then I'm like, wait a minute. She's not watching, is she? Oh, she is. Okay, I guess I better keep going. <laughs> and uh, and I opened the door, and sure enough, one of the uh, one of the there was a sensor light that one of our neighbors had in their their garage. It it went off, and so somebody had been there because that normally was not on at two o'clock in the morning unless someone walks by it. So someone had come out, and I walk out there in my pajamas with a pocket knife like a fool, like, what if there is somebody out there? What's going to happen? I'm going to get you with my little, you know, Swiss Army knife, you know? They're going to be like, boom. <laughs> okay. Now, so I realized that at that moment it was my, op my I got to do better at protecting my family, and uh, we have since rectified that a little bit. I have increased my home defense system. And, uh, and, and I know that many dads have taken a lot of precautions, and, and I know I'm talking to Oklahomans here, uh, who've 
who, who are pretty protective of their families in that way. Uh, but I can, can I say something tonight? While it is good and wise to protect our families from bad guys entering our home, it is at least equally important. I would even say perhaps even more important for us to protect our families from bad influences coming into our home that a gun can't fix, a security system can't fix. See, dads, it is our responsibility to not just guard our homes from bad guys, but from negative influences, ungodly influences that would enter into our home uh, through the media, movies, music, TV, all these streaming uh, services that are out there now, video games, books, friends. Um, dads, it is our responsibility to guard our homes and to be watchmen for what comes into our homes in that regard just as much as it is to make sure ain't no bad guys going to come in and hurt my family. I, I, hope that that's, I hope that you have some things that do protect you from bad guys hurting your family. But look, the devil is not going to come in necessarily with a guy in a ski mask and try to harm your family. He's going to come in the form of social media. He's going to come in the form of, hey, I, did you watch this movie? Oh, I'm going to go watch it with an unfiltered uh, smartphone in my own room. Very dangerous. So dads, it's your responsibility to protect and to guard the heart of your home. Proverbs 27 and verse 23, Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks, and look well to thy herds. Uh, we're called to know diligently, be thou diligent to know the state of our flocks. And as dads, we really have a little flock there that we're endeavoring to raise for God's glory. We need to know the state of what's going on in their heart. We absolutely have the right to know what's on everybody's smartphones. To have all the passwords to all their accounts, to be their friends on social media, and to really understand what they're consuming, what they're allowing into their heart through their eye gate, ear gate. We, we should have some say on, on who their friends are. I know the kids are going, oh, great. Why, why did you have to go there? You know, it's going to mean that I have to give access to my parents all these things. Yes, because we care for you. We want you to uh, go in the right direction. We need to protect our families from making sure that the bad guy called Satan doesn't get into our home and we're doing what we can to protect. Internet filter is a great thing to have. We're, some of us have security systems in our house. Some of us have uh, weapons. Great. Do you have an internet filter for your home? That's a spiritual security system. Proverbs 29, verse 15 says, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself with no protection bringeth his mother to shame. We can just let my kids, I just trust my kids. <laughs> I don't know, dads, if we should trust ourselves. And if we shouldn't trust ourselves, then why do you think we should trust a teenage boy with a smartphone with unlimited access to the entire internet in the privacy of his own room. That's dangerous. You are playing with fire, and you're not doing a good job, honestly, protecting your family. 
So it is our biblical responsibility to protect. Fourthly, the last two are very quick tonight. Number four, we are to pray. Do pray. I think of Job, um, and this is a little bit of a, perhaps taking it out of context, perhaps a stretch, uh, but I think that there was definitely a, an example here in Job's life as a dad. In Job chapter 1, verse number, verse number 5, it says, And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all, Excuse me, for Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Now, it was a sacrifice. But is prayer not a little bit of a sacrifice? It's not always easy to pray. Um, but I believe that Job had a love for his children and, and spent that time every day continually uh, by offering this sacrifice to the Lord. I, and I... I'm kind of taking this and applying it to prayer, and I know it's, again, a little out of context, but I, I think you get the point here. Uh, Job was willing to uh, go to the Lord on behalf of his children. I think we can make that fair statement. And uh, I want to encourage us as dads to go to the Lord on a regular basis for our children. James 1 and verse number 5, If any of you lack wisdom, any of you dads feel like you lack wisdom on knowing how to deal with the different... Uh, elements of raising children, I think all of us are there. Well, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, shall be given him. So pray, pray for your children, pray for wisdom, pray for their future spouses, pray for their purity, pray for their walk with God, pray for them to get saved if they're not yet saved. Pray for their, uh, the relationship with their friends, that they're willing to take a stand for righteousness, that they're willing to do right, and when there's an issue in the home and between uh, with, with, with that particular child, take that to the Lord. Pray for that situation. Do pray, number five, last one. Do promote, do promote. Uh, last passage to look at tonight, um, a Psalm in verse chapter 78, Psalm 78. Uh, seven verses here, so I would like you to turn over there and look at it with me. Psalm 78, verse 1, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old. And here it is, verse 3, Which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. Our fathers have told us. Verse 4, And we will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength, and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he established a testimony in Jacob, appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope, verse 7, in God, and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. So here we're, we're called here to promote the truth of God's word and what God uh, has said and what God has done to the next generation, to our children. We're called to promote that. Can I say this? You get what you promote. You promote sports. You're going to 
get sports. You're going to get kids who are so into sports that that's their main, main deal. You promote, promote work ethic, and, and I, again, some of these things aren't bad. I, sports, I promote sports to a point, and, uh, and I can see when I do how much their hearts are given to sports. Um, and so I need to then back off on it, and sometimes my wife can remind me about that, and uh, it's a help. You get what you promote. You promote sports. You promote love for others. You get that. You promote a love for God. You're going to get that. So the question is tonight, dads, what are we promoting in our homes? Again, not just maybe with our words, but our actions, our walk. What are we promoting? Um, In Psalm 78, we're called to promote the Lord, what he has said, and what he has done to our children. That's what we are to promote. Not to say we shouldn't promote anything else. Uh, good work ethic, absolutely. Promote love for others, absolutely. How to change a tire, absolutely. But let's not forget to promote what God has said and what God has done to our children. So there you are, five biblical responsibilities of a father. And uh, I went a lot faster than I wanted to on that, but I'm sure you're glad that we are done. He said the word done over there. We're not quite done. Dads are notorious for not admitting when they are lost and thinking that they know the way. They don't want to. Remember back in the day when we had maps and stuff? You had to like unfold them. It was such a pain to open them up and then fold them back. Remember that? Those Thomas guides we had to get out. Remember those? Um, we just kind of felt like, I'll figure it out. I'll get there. I'm just going the right direction. I'll get there. I'm not worried about it. And uh, before, before we know it, we are, we are indeed lost. Well, God's given us the roadmap for reaching point A, going from point A to point B when it comes to raising our children. And he's giving that, given us the instruction in his word. But are we going to be like the average dad who says, I don't need that. I'm going to figure it out on my own. Problem is, we only have one shot to raise these kids. We can't afford to try to give it time and figure it out. We need to get into God's word and figure out what he says and do it. Um, most of us use Siri or Google Maps to get from point A to point B nowadays. And uh, you can choose when it says, hey, please turn here. And you go, nah, I know a better way. Be careful. Uh, This is the tried and true way. Uh, This way is going to get you there. You try to figure it out on your own and do your own way, not a guarantee. God's word is a guarantee. And so I want to encourage us tonight to not only understand and know what these biblical responsibilities are, but to now not be absent in fulfilling them. We talked about the beginning, the absenteeism of fathers. Are we absentee when it comes to the biblical responsibilities? I hope after tonight, none of us are, that we're going to not provoke, but instead we're going to provide, we're going to protect, we're going to pray, and we're going to promote the right things. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for the privilege of being a dad. Lord, I know that I fall way short of the dad that I should be. But I thank you, Lord, for making clear in your word what these responsibilities are. 
And I pray, Lord, you'd help me to fulfill them in my own home. And Lord, as I pray for myself, I pray for all the dads in here tonight, that you would help us all to not be absentee dads when it comes to the biblical responsibilities of a father. Help us, Lord, to be present in each one of these. And uh, Lord, I, I've spoken about many different things tonight, and uh, I pray, Lord, that you would pinpoint what absolutely needs to be addressed in each heart. And I pray, Lord, that, again, we would be willing to comply, willing to be obedient to your spirit and to your will and to your word. And, uh, Lord, I pray that you would change hearts and lives as a result of this time. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. I'm going to um, ask Mrs. Nutt to um, play through a first, uh, the first verse of this next song. And as she does, I want to invite you to have a time of prayer and decision right there in your seat at this time. Thank you for allowing us to be here together tonight as a church family, and uh, I pray, Lord, that we would not soon forget what you've done in our hearts, but that it would uh, see its way into our own families and our own homes, and that uh, they would be more pleasing to you, and that you would help our children to grow to love you and serve you and to know you, and uh, thank you for, again, the opportunity to be here together tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, at this time, I would like to um, ask, I'll go ahead and come on down here. I'm going to ask all the teenagers who are going to be going to camp uh, tomorrow to go ahead and come on up to the front.